leverage the effort that you already put in to bring the people to where they are. And more importantly, to give those people who just fell in love with your process, fell in love with your work, a way to continue being in that energy with you. And the other cool thing about that is if you, while they're in this membership container, now you've got the space and time to think of what else should you create for them who, and they're there and they're hanging out and they're probably going to, you know, if you create an offer that they love, there's your audience right there, ready to buy from you. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence, income, and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I'm very excited about today's topic. We're going to talk about online courses and programs and specifically what to do after you have people graduate through your programs, like what's next. So today I've invited Jane Saglovich, who is the Chief Strategist at Scale Your Genius, where she's on a mission to rid the world of crappy online courses. Oh my goodness, this is going to be so amazing because I absolutely agree and I'm on this topic. So welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I know that this is going to be good. I hope I don't give us the mockers, but... You and I have had a few conversations and we are very much on the same wavelength. So this is going to be great. You are someone that helps people put together really amazing online courses. But today we're not going to talk about putting courses together because many of our listeners have an online course. Today we're going to talk about what's next. What do they do once they've got people that graduate out of their course? But before we dive in, I'd love you to share a little bit about sort of what got you to this point where you started your business and you really got into this niche? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent my first 20 years of my career in the corporate space. I'm a refugee from Ukraine and coming to the United States at age 10, I really, the American dream was what to me was just so inspiring and so amazing. And what that meant to be, what that meant to me was kind of climbing the corporate ladder, becoming the, you know, something in C-suite. One of my dream jobs when I was in high school was doing marketing for Ralph Lauren. Oh, <laughs> and that's like as true Americana as you can get. Uh huh. So I studied marketing, did all the typical business stuff. And then in 20 years into my career, I just remember having everything look so good on paper, but being so miserable inside. And so mm. it got to the point where the company I was working for was so well-renowned and so well-respected and just a really amazing place. And, and I knew that if I'm not happy here, another company is not going to solve the problem. Now, if I had to do it all over again, I would do, I would work with, you know, one of the amazing mindset professionals that are out there today. At that point, all I did was kind of jump. I said goodbye to the company and I left with no plan other than I know I need to do something different than, than work for somebody else. At that time, I had a good friend starting a consulting business, working with small business owners. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I've never done consulting. I've never worked for a very tiny company. All the companies I've always worked for were 20 billion and above. So really huge companies. And I'm like, let's see what this is all about. So 
trial by fire, jumped in and he's had some successful consulting businesses before. So it did ease my transition in that I didn't have to figure everything out completely on my own, but there was a lot of, I still had no idea what I was doing. Like we knew what we were doing inside of our business, but I was having so much so many issues of, you know, being really good at something and all of a sudden being really bad at something else mm-hmm. and just the whole transition that comes from corporate to having your own business. So we did that for a few years. In our last year, we started putting together an online program. And what drove that need was, as I mentioned, all the mindset stuff and all the personal issues I started having because of this transition, I found, you know, I don't remember if I was Googling or how I came across this stuff, but I started finding online courses on various personal development topics. And I started taking them. And partly what I saw was, damn, this business model is amazing for me as a client. I love being able to turn on my computer, grab a glass of wine, put my feet up on the coffee table and say, this is how I'm going to learn. But also I saw a lot of things that were missing in the way they were delivering that left me wanting more. And and we can talk a little about what, what those things are. And then the third thing was, thinking of our business, my partner and I, my business, I'm like, why aren't we doing this stuff? Right. Mm -hmm. Why is everything live? Why are you teaching training live every single time we come in front of our group of of business owners? And so that's how that process got started. I'm like, Hey, I've been doing this thing. It's awesome. I see what could be different from the ones that I see out there. Let's do it on our own. Mm. So then what the next thing that happened is I tried to find somebody who can guide us on the journey and really didn't find anybody who I resonated with. There were courses on courses, which, you know, that's great. Yep. But I wanted, I never felt like we fit into any kind of cookie cutter system. So I always wanted something a little different and that's what we were unable to find. So I said, cool, we'll, we'll just create our own thing. And so that was our first, that was my experience with the creator side of my first program. That business imploded for various personal reasons back in 20, 2018 and coming into my first true gap of now I really don't know what I want to do. You know, I was used to having a partner now, just even the idea of doing something fully on my own was not yet real to me. I was trying to, mm-hmm. to replace a partner. And so I'm going to fast forward the story into talking to other brilliant entrepreneurs who are like, you're creating this program. You have a way, an approach of looking at it. You bring an experience that no one else has in this field at that time that they knew of, you know, why don't you try playing in this? And so I created my first program. I took a beta, I took a beta group through it because I'm like, I'm kind of making some stuff up here. So let me make sure that the things I'm coming up with actually work mm-hmm. and are actually real and then had amazing response. And you know, that was what, five years ago. And and it's just been a very unexpected, but amazing, amazing journey. Yeah. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is, right? It's an amazing journey. Before we jump into the courses, you did mention that within a short amount of time, you went from working in corporate America, you then went to working with a partner, and then you went to working to being on your own and solopreneur. I want to know a little bit about that transition, because this is what trips a lot of people up, because we've gone from something where, you know, we're part of a huge team and our team is part of a huge corporation. We've got people that support, we've got tech support. We can go, you know, we can go to the, and pick up our own stationery just with a little slip of paper and all of these kinds of things. And then coming down, especially, and I don't know about you, but I'm an external processor. I need people around me. I need to talk through things. How did you transition from that, you know, being in the corporate to being on your own 
And what are some of the things that you had to embrace, I guess, and change up so that you could birth this new course out into the world on your own? Yeah. You know, I'll first share something that's not a direct answer, but I think that's something that actually has allowed me to be successful quicker than maybe other people Mm -hmm. because of the minds, because I had so many people supporting me in corporate, Mm -hmm. I was very unwilling to do some things. And I was very quick to outsource. Even if I had to borrow the money or put it on a credit card, I outsource things. And this is something I really see entrepreneurs not doing is like, Mm -hmm. they will fiddle around in Canva all day long. (sighs) when they could have paid somebody five bucks to do this. I totally agree. <laughs> or set up their email or whatever else, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. They think they need to be good at all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, you, you don't need to be good at anything you don't need to be good at. So I'll say that as kind of the flip to your actual question, just because I think mm-hmm. that's something I just, I see so much and it's holding people back so much more than they know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. Well, I don't think that really was a segue because that is a hundred percent how you've made that transition. You know, Mm. that's the first piece is understanding that you still need people around you. So that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And so the piece that, so this really became very apparent to me when I went from having a partner to being on my own, just me personally, I'm good at setting the vision. I'm good at the initial strategy creation. I'm good at execution. Mm -hmm. The messy middle where we need to take the thing that we think our plan is and massage it into something that is actually, that is the best strategy you can do that requires a conversation. Like you said, that requires external processing and ideally another human that can reflect back and mirror and have the con and ask you questions that you you haven't thought of yourself. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me, hiring coaches was a huge part of that. Specifically for me was marketing and sales. I have a marketing undergrad. I've done a lot of things around marketing in my career, yet when it came to selling myself, basically, mm-hmm. the block was real. Yeah. I mean, I just came to a hard stop and, and just refused to do any of the stuff. So it was, I hired somebody to help me brainstorm that messy metal. But what, a big part of what we were doing is is a lot of the mindset stuff of me just of like her helping me get out of my prison of like self-sabotage basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that so much. So let's talk about courses and specifically for people that already have their course launched, they're already selling it, they're already taking clients through it, they're getting success with their clients. And all of a sudden there's this, oh, like people have come to the end or if it's a course that's got a specific time frame, or maybe they've even got clients that have got to a point where they need the next thing. And we might be sitting there as course creators thinking, oh, now what do we do? Or what I've also seen is people not even realizing that there's a gap here. So what are some of the symptoms that you see from coaches whose clients may be maybe leaving or don't have the next step and they, they may not have even realized it yet? Mm. So what I really love about this question is when we launch our first course, our first program, we put so much time, effort, energy into getting the people into the program, right? Not just creating it. And so when we get to that point where they're either leaving, not resigning, whatever it is, it hurts or it should hurt Mm -hmm. because we, you know, we really, I'm a big fan of like leveraging anything we create, right? So anything we've invested time or money into, how do we make it work for us for the long term? And so you've just, you know, you, the creator of the course have just built this amazing relationship with the people in your program. So I'll say it first with the programs that have a beginning and an end, because that's Mm -hmm. really where I see the biggest need for continuity. And what a lot of course creators don't 
often realize is how much the client needs that continuity. I was on a sales call this morning with a woman who has this nine hour boot camp. That's her first course program she's putting out there who didn't want to have, you know, she's like, well, I'm going to do this. And then a year later, I'm going to do a retreat. And I'm like, these people just spend nine hours with you in this beautiful, deep immersion. They need the energy, this abrupt energy ending feels Mm. really weird and awkward to people. And so it actually creates, even if the program itself was so amazing, it actually can create a negative experience because of the abrupt ending, right? You just built this relationship with somebody and then you're like, I'll see you next year. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorite and easiest strategies is a simple membership community. This doesn't have to be anything fancy. This doesn't have to be technical, you know, techie built out in the beginning over time. It can and should, because you'll start getting more people into it. But in the beginning, just give them access in whatever scope makes sense to have touch points once or twice a Mm -hmm. month and give them some value. And, you know, people coming out of your program, give them free access for the first few months so they can get that continuity and then start charging. And so now you're getting your passive income. Everyone that comes out of your program is entering this container that's only taking a limited amount of time from you. So it's a really beautiful way to leverage the effort you t- that you already um, put in to bring the people to where they are. And more importantly, to give those people who just fell in love with your process, fall in love with your work, a way to continue being in that energy with you. And the other cool thing about that is if you, while they're in this membership container, now you've got the space and time to think of what else should you create for them mm-hmm. who, and they're there and they're hanging out and they're probably going to, you know, if you create an offer that they love, there's your audience right there ready to buy from you. So strategically, it's the easiest and, and just most profitable way. So that's my favorite. Obviously, you know, nuance, everyone, everyone's situation is different, but not knowing particular situations, that's usually my, my go-to. Mm, I love this so much. And the process or the experience that you're talking about, I kind of liken it to if we were sitting in a theater and we've just seen this most amazing musical and the, you know, the curtain comes down, the lights come on, and it's just like, oh, okay, it's over. All right, we're going home now. You know, and imagine that, that you know, there was no bows or curtain call at the end or maybe maybe think about it even as if the curtain came down sort of before you even saw the ending. There's this, this feeling of, oh, what just happened? So this continuity is just making it so much easier for your clients to keep that energy up for themselves too. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, when you leave the show and you might get the emails from the theater company telling, you know, giving you some behind the scenes of what happened and kind of, yeah, continuing that relationship, inviting you to the next show. Yeah. Yeah. As was, and I learned this, you know, partly because my first program didn't have a follow on and I was feeling that gap so strongly yet. I'm sure as a lot of the listeners will resonate, you just spend so much time creating something and delivering it that like the last thing you want to do is create something new. And that's kind of how the membership idea came about. I'm like this, it's minimal effort. There's not, you're not creating a new course, a new program to give these people. You're really just putting them in a container with your energy. And so, you know, the idea was something I wish I had for myself back when I started delivering my first course. Mm. But that's okay because I think it's really okay to acknowledge that as entrepreneurs, as coaches, as business owners, we're learning as we go. And it's not, there's not a problem with realizing there's a gap and creating something new or a new understanding to fill that gap. 
In actual fact, it's worse if you notice that and don't do anything about it. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, I think I totally agree. Okay, so what about for people that are ready to scale, they've got this continuity happening, they've created this, at what point or do you ever go back and have a look at your course and see if there's any gaps so you can sort of make your course better? Is that a good scaling, I guess, system? Mm, you just, well, you didn't ask me about my favorite model, but I'm going to answer it in the, in, in the scope of my favorite model. So absolutely, no matter what offer you have, I believe that you should update it quarterly. So one tip I'll, I'll give people because of that is when you record video. So when you create a course, there's usually videos and some other forms. I'm a huge fan of providing text that's more comprehensive than video. The video might be the introduction. We might teach some core points, but more of it goes in my text because that's the easiest to update. Because every quarter when I go into my courses and I update them, I'm not re-recording every single video mm-hmm. or doing weird edits that are like, oh, this is no longer applicable Do this, that. The core teaching usually remains the same, right? That's the core of our frameworks, our fundamentals. Everything else can go in the text where, again, process-wise, mine lives in the Google Doc. So I just track changes. I give it to my assistant and she can make it happen inside the course platform. So CEO role it's going to take me minimal amount of time to completely update mm-hmm. a course. So that's just a side tangent of updating and how to make that easier and that it should be done quarterly. Mm. Here is what I think is the most amazing thing. And what I mentioned earlier was missing from the courses I was taking. And that is personal support in addition to digital courses. I call it the hybrid online course. It's the model I've been teaching since day one. And that is a combination of those digital modules, which most of us think about as an online course. Plus one-on-one or group support, whichever works better for your model. Here's how it ties into this conversation is that, let's say people are going through your digital course. You're having conversations with them. You're not asking them, how is the, you know, do you see any gaps in the course? Is there any information you wish would be different? What you're looking for are patterns in the questions that your clients bring to you. We're just in the conversation. Okay. Everybody seems to misunderstand this part. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to be asking questions about this other part. So what that does is identify the gaps in your course without having to do some surveys and things that don't really get you the right answers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It gets you really true, timely, actionable feedback on how well your digital courses are performing. So then you go in and you update and you update and you update until the conversations you're having with the people, they're getting what you expect them to get. Mm. So then how that works with scaling is I recommend almost everybody start with this hybrid model because one, you make more money quicker because you could charge more because there's personal attention. And two, you get this continual improvement. Mm. So once your course is to a point where you love it, you're like, all right, you know what that like people are getting what I want out of it. And you've been building your audience this whole time, right? Cause you've been selling people into the hybrid model. Now you are ready to release the fully self-paced course out into the wild. This is going to be your $300, whatever inexpensive course, but it actually is that fully passive income that most people dream about, but kind of hard to get to and and even harder to put something out there that actually works the way you intended to. Mm. So by doing that piece first and updating it, then you can have that passive model. And and that's how, Mm. I think that's a great path to scaling bigger than than you could with this hybrid model alone. Totally. And of course, as you're going through in this way, the way that you have just mentioned, 
This also means that the focus the whole time is on your clients getting the best results rather than how can I remove myself or what, you know, we're flipping that from the focus being on us as the course creator to us focusing on how can we get our clients the best results, which is, I believe, where the focus should always be. But for many people, they forget this piece or, or don't even, you know, acknowledge this piece. And I also really love that you shared how you get this information by really paying attention to that feedback from your clients. I think that having group coaching calls is a really great way to get this information because you will start to, to see the patterns and that the, as you mentioned, you know, by the quizzes or, or polls that people don't know what they don't know. So you're actually going to get really muddy information because we're the ones with the expertise. We know the core problems where our clients at, a, at that point, they don't understand the core problem yet. So it's really important that you get the information in a way that's going to mean that we've got the cleanest information possible. Exactly. I'll, I'll mention, and this happened, I feel like a lot of things happened this morning that are relevant to this podcast. <laughs> I was on Facebook today. I'm in a group program and I was in their Facebook group. And what happened was a few weeks ago, they asked for some feedback on the program and people gave feedback. And then they made a policy change that obviously didn't align with everybody's feedback because it can't. This post was just such an output of anger from people mm. who asked for something different than what happened. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the dangers of asking for feedback is because some people will say, you asked me for what I think. I told you what I think, and then you either didn't do it or do something completely different. Whereas business owners, yeah, you survey a hundred people, 20 of them will have an answer that that's not going to be something you do. And so part of it is now you have people who are actually angry at you mm -hmm. because you just did something that's different than what they asked for. So surveys, you know, we got to be careful with asking people for opinions. It's never, it's not a no, of course we want to know what people think, but I think having like the group con the group calls and other conversations are just such a much cleaner way to get that feedback than asking people and then potentially have them be angry because the thing you did is not what they wanted. Totally. My goodness. That was gold. Absolute gold. All right. So how many times, and I think this actually relates to something that you and I were talking about before we even hit record, how many times do we iterate and create these ongoing programs? You know, is this something that we should do once or is this something that we should just keep creating and creating and creating? Because I think, actually, I'm not even going to put words into your mouth. I'd love to hear your take on this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wish I had a clean answer. <laughs> I'll say what I think is a good best practice. I think it is a good best practice to have a set of core fundamental things that no matter what the offers are, no matter what we do on the outside facing stuff, that kind of remains consistent and we don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm. Of course, as we learn things, as our skills, as our processes up level, we can update those, but that there's a core fundamental that stays. And then there's the flavor. And then there's the layer on top, which is the client facing layer that you know, we were talking about earlier that really shifts. So we're talking about, I have several offers the core fundamental of my, I have a, a process beginning to end that doesn't shift. That is the mm -hmm. process, no matter what mm -hmm. the offers I layer on are pieces and various, you know, permutations of that process, depending on my perceived need from the client. And so, uh, 
you know, I truly believe that the cleanest answer is to have one signature program, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the cleanest doesn't mean the best or the most correct for any particular person. Right. Mm -hmm. So if one signature program works for your personality, for your brand, for your clients, that's probably the way to go. If you've got a squirrel brain like me, we're delivering one program is just not going to happen. There's, you know, then it's how do you, how do you streamline them? And how do you communicate the difference between the different programs is what I see a big struggle I'm having personally. And I see clients have, and of course it's so much easier to guide clients than it is yourself on this stuff. Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, you know, how do you lay all the stuff out on a side-by-side grid and say, do all the diff- are all the differences clear? Do all the differences make sense? Hmm. And sometimes they're not, and, and they don't. And, and, you know, that gets our marketing into a confusing place. Totally. And the reason I asked it is because as we evolve, we're always learning new things. It's very easy to add products, but I think that to be able to scale effectively, you really need to simplify. And I know at the beginning of COVID, I actually rolled two of my programs together and just turned it into one Mm. because A, it can be overwhelming for us as the person that's delivering the program to have lots of offers, but also it can be really confusing to the market of, you know, I don't know where I fit. And as we know, a confused person can't buy. So, you know, it's always, there's always that juggle, I guess, of how do we make sure that we look after everyone? Well, not everyone, the people that are in our world. And how do we, how do we not confuse them? You know, it is that balance. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I was advising myself, I think I would tell myself to to, to roll some of my programs together too. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Now, Jane, I know that you've got some free resources to help people with this process. If this is where people are in their business, can you share a little bit about what you have? Yeah. So I have the latest ebook that's actually not live when we're recording, but it will be within the next couple of days. So it's all going to work out perfectly. It's the seven rules for creating online courses that don't suck. Mm -hmm. It is applicable for your very first course. It is applicable for if you are scaling further down the road. Our latest offer is always on our homepage, which is scaledgenius.com. And right before the here, right below the top part is always the button to get our latest free resource, whatever it happens to be. So that is the best place to go. And that's scaledgenius.com. And I know you'll have that in the show notes. too. Absolutely. We'll have that in the show notes over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com so that you can go and grab a copy of that to make sure that your course doesn't suck. (laughs) I really love that. Jane, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I think this is a really awesome conversation. You've given us a lot of value today. What I would love you to do is share one tip for course creators that will have them creating an absolutely standout program. Mm -mm -mm. I, one tip, I would say that this is, might not be new to anybody listening to this, but really focus on that one person you most want to help and create something for that person. I find that it's so much easier to create and to sell when you have that one specific person in mind as you're creating something for them. So, you know, as we were talking about scaling past your first course. So if you think about your program or your course now, is there somebody in it who you're like, I really want to help this person reach their next level of whatever it is, make a course for them, Mm. make a course for this one person. And then obviously others will flock, but it'll just make the whole process so much easier than trying to figure out all the things you could do for all the people coming out of your program. 
Love it. And yes, whilst we may have heard that before, it's just such a good reminder. And I know that whoever's listening to this will hear that right now and go, yeah, good reminder. That's exactly what I'm going to go and do. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global.